Uh, we're in week three of a series uh, here at the beginning of the year. It's actually the theme of our devotional as well that's called Blessed. And, uh, and, and so really what this is about is that in our culture today, this word blessed, the idea of being blessed, people um, talk about blessings all the time, but yet it's a biblical term. I happened to get on Instagram yesterday just to see, and if you go and search hashtag blessed, there's a 140 million posts with that hashtag on it because people are attributing their blessings to many things. And look, you may be blessed by a lot of things. You may be blessed because you work hard and that's good. You may be blessed because you're smart and you do certain things and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with those things, but I don't want to just be blessed by my own ability. I want to be blessed beyond my ability And the only way that that can truly happen, and we hear this culturally speaking, is that we hear people say things like, oh, well, you know, it's the universe, or I put out good vibes, and there's, you know, you've got all kinds of religions now, and belief systems and structures that tell you that you can be blessed, like what the Bible declares as being blessed, but without a relationship with God. And I can tell you, that just won't work, is that God does want you blessed, spirit, soul, body. He wants you blessed in every part of your life, but it will not come separated from him because God will never be replaced. I mean, it's one of the 10 commandments, right? I will have no other God before me. And so if we really want to walk in the truest sense of blessing of the way that God has intended it, that means that we're going to have to do it in a relationship with him. And so that's really the focus of this series and why we're doing it. And and so, you know, you can even ask uh, you know, like, let me ask you a question and I, now don't give me the church answers. Okay. Like, let me just take a little pressure off. Don't give me your answer. Give me your, uh, maybe your neighbor's answer, a friend's answer. What do you think that your next door neighbor would say? If you asked them, are you blessed? What would, what would they, what are some terms or some words that they might use to describe blessed or being blessed in their life? Anybody. There's, there's like, if you were to go to your neighbor and say, Hey, what does it mean to be blessed? Like to live in blessing, what would be their responses? Money, health, family, what is it? Happiness. Anybody else got another answer? So money, health, happiness, family. We got all these things, right? Some people say, I'm blessed to be a job. And some people say, that ain't a blessing. You ain't been to my job. You know, I mean, what about a home? What about food? What about, I mean, you know, there's so many things that we can look at. But in the truest sense of the word, what about purpose? Is it a blessing to have a purpose and a meaning and a point to your life? Like, why do I exist? Yeah, that's a blessing. To know who you are and to know why that you were put on the planet, why you're here at at all the time of history. Why now? Why, why did it, why was it fit for you to be born during this time and this day and age? Biblically, the word blessed means to be uh, happy, to be fortunate, or to be envied. It means that when people see your life, they ought to see something in you that they want. Not envy as in a negative way, but actually like, man, I wish I had the peace that you have. That's blessing. I wish I had the joy that you had. That's blessing. And and, and so we we understand even this is that what about a blessed marriage? Like that we should have a marriage relationship that people are like, man, I don't want that. Like that's not the testimony that we want. We want people to come and say, 
how do y'all's, how's your relationship? Like, how, how are y'all, how do y'all really love each other the way? Because y'all don't seem to argue. And it's like, oh, well, we just do that behind closed doors. We don't do that on Instagram. We don't Facebook live that. I, you know, but in reality, though, is, hey, how, how, how is your relationship working? What about blessed kids? How, how do your kids mind? Like, how, how, I mean, really, what does it look like? What about when people are at work and the stress gets put on and people are like, you just don't get stressed out like everybody else. You've got this peace and this calmness about you. There's nothing wrong with having blessed finances. The Bible talks about that. I believe God wants us blessed in our finances, but that's not the all-inclusive term when we're talking about blessed. Many times we can think of, of it that way. We think of it from a monetary financial point of view, but that's a small part. But God does absolutely want you blessed financially. Why? Because he wants you to be a blessing. Well, you can't bless with what you don't have. And so God wants you to what? To steward what you have, to honor him with what you have. Why? Because it it unlocks blessings into your life, even in the financial realm. You know, the angel that came to Mary, who was the mother of Jesus, he actually makes a statement to her. And he says, blessed are you, Mary. And he says, and you've been highly favored of the Lord. The word blessed could actually, you could actually insert the word favored as well. Because they really mean the exact same thing. But, he, but here the angel tells her, he says that you're blessed and you're highly favored. And if you've received Jesus, whether you realize it or not, you are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. How many of you actually believe that? See, that ought to be a confession that you say over your life. Let's just say it right now. Say this, say, I am blessed and I am highly favored of the Lord. Now, some of you don't believe the words you just said. And the truth is, is that God wants us to have that understanding. The Bible says that he'll never leave me. He's never going to abandon me. He's always with me. I am blessed. Why? Because he put his spirit on the inside of me. I never have to be alone. I never have to be without wisdom. The Holy Spirit, the, the spirit of God lives on the inside of me and can live on the inside of every single one of us and be a very active part in our daily life. That is truly blessed. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, it says this. It says, all, um, all praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, what is that word? Every, right? Everybody say that word, every. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because you are united with Christ, and because you're super spiritual, and because God loves you more than everybody else. And be, It doesn't say any of that. It just says that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. In other words, everything that God has right now in heaven is available to all of us. But the question becomes, then why don't I experience all of those blessings? Because we have a part to play in experiencing the blessings of God. I'll just give you an example. I've already somewhat mentioned it. But if you are a tither... There are blessings that the Bible talks about that come with tithing. And so sometimes it's easy to look at somebody and say, man, I wish that I was blessed financially the way that they are. Okay, well, my question is, have you sown the seeds that they have sown? You can't want somebody's uh, harvest without sowing their seed. Now, I don't remember what day it was this week, but in the devotional, somebody, there was this line, it really stuck out to me. And it says that many times we want the stars Without the scars. I don't know who wrote that, but that was a great line. I did not write that, I can tell you. 
But many times we don't want the story. We just want what has we see. We don't want the years of relationship in marriage and trying to figure out why God brought us together. We just want the Instagram happy family. But behind that photo is years and years and years of work and communication and compromise and learning and adjusting and loving in spite of, right? But we don't want that journey. I just want the happy, pretty picture. But see, the the thing is, and so we have this, the reality is, and the Bible tells us here, is that we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. There's nothing available to me just because I'm a pastor that's not available to you. I'm a child of God first. Then I have the function within the body of Christ that I pastor a church. I'm a child of God first. You're a child of God first. So there's nothing that I have or have access to that you don't or anybody else in this room or anybody else on the planet for that matter. Now, we're in different degrees of relationship with the Lord, sure. And I'll talk about that closer to the end. But the truth is, is that we have access to everything. And so, uh, you know, and so it really does become this idea and really the thought of this is that and we have to be mindful of this is that, yes, we are spiritual people. I mean, you're at church. I would hopefully you're a spiritual person, because if not, I'm wondering why you're here. Now, maybe you want to become more of a spiritual person, and maybe that's why you're here. But my question for you is, as a spiritual person, are you making spiritual choices? In other words, does your spirit man engage in your normal day-to-day life? Because if I'm going to live in the blessings of God, I'm going to have to invite him into my everyday And so as spiritual people, we have to be making spiritual decisions. And even in the natural realms, like I would hope you're going to pray about who you marry. I'm going to hope that you're going to pray about like what job to take. I I hope that you're going to pray and get an answer from the Lord, get some peace settled in your heart. Like, should I take this new job or no? Have you consulted the Lord or are you just making a natural decision? As a spiritual person, you need to be making it spiritually. Not just in the natural thing. Should I buy this home? Should I buy this car? All these decisions, right? Should I spend this money? I mean, all of these things, we can invite God into every one of those choices. And it makes a difference. Why? Because God doesn't bless my decisions. God will bless his decisions. God will bless his instructions. That's the only guaranteed blessing in life. But the good news is, is that God has given me a book full of his wisdom full of his understanding, full of his knowledge, so that I know how to act, how to live, how to decide things, so that I know what God will bless. Pardon the term, but it's not a crapshoot in life of just, come on, baby, no snake eyes. Like, will God bless it? That's not the way God intended us to live. It's not a life of chance. God has given us his wisdom, his word, and his word is fixed. The Bible says that it is established from time before unto time after. It existed long before creation. His word will exist long after. And his word will always prove to be true. And when we walk in the wisdom and the light of God's word, there's blessing. There's lots of instructions, but the questions really become is what decisions are we making to align our life with God's word? 
Like I'll give you an example of something that even I've just been considering and pondering a little bit here lately is the idea that my life is not my own. If it's really not my own, then why do I make so many decisions without asking the Lord about them? If I, if I really believe that, do I live that? Like practically daily. The Bible tells me in 2 Timothy 3.16... It says that every scripture is written by the Holy Spirit. It says it will empower us by its instruction and correction, giving us the strength to, take the, to make the right decision and will lead us deeper into the path of godliness. What is godliness? It's being in relationship with the Lord. Every decision we make is going to have one of two effects. It's either going to take us closer to God or it's going to pull us further away from him. It's really that simple. It's not complicated. God did not make anything complicated. We complicate things because we like things complicated because then we have an excuse. Well, I didn't understand, so I didn't. We want to we we provide gray because then we got wiggle room, right? But God's word is very clear. It's not complicated. If he says do it, we ought to do it. If he says don't do it, we ought not to do it. And look, and I'm a curious person by nature. And sometimes I'm like, God, why? He just never answers me. So sometimes I just have to say, I don't have to understand. I just trust you. I don't have to understand everything to be obedient. And that's hard for me. I struggle with that. I'm like, Lord, let me pray a little bit longer and just see if you need a few more minutes to talk to me and give me an explanation. And no, just. And sometimes I have to make those decisions. And so, you know, another thing that can happen, especially when we start talking about the word of God, is sometimes we want to qualify God's instructions by the messenger that brings it to us. I'm going to give you a couple examples here of this, of how this could sound. Is Sometimes we can write it off because, well, they're too young. Or maybe they're too old. I'm kind of in the middle right now. I can be on either side of that spectrum. But the question is, is are you listening to me or are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Because if you're listening to me, you're going to be disappointed. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit right now and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak into my life? I might get lucky and say something really good from the Holy Spirit. That's going to connect with you right where it needs to. And all of a sudden you're like, that's why I came to church today. Now, I don't mean to, and I don't mean that to sound flippantly about my role or what I do. I take very seriously what I do, and I do give quite a bit of time to it. And I pray a lot. Why? Because I'm confident that if you come here to listen to me, I, my jokes ain't that good. My wisdom ain't that good. But I am supremely confident in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit that it can transform your life when you connect to it. And I know, yes, I mean, yes, there's a gift. Yes, all these things. But look, that's not what it's about. Even today, I would ask you, why did you come to church today? Is it just to check the box? Or to say, God, I need you this week. And I need a little bit of a time out. And I need to hear from you. And I need to experience your presence. Because I know that it's going to come something this week. And I need the presence of God and I need the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Because here's the thing. It really doesn't matter what I preach on. It, it does and it doesn't. I'll say it that way. 
Because the Holy Spirit, you may be here listening to me and all of a sudden the Holy, I say one little thing and it leads you down a path that the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you. And he's going to give you instruction about what you needed to hear. And all you needed was just the key to unlock the door and then the Holy Spirit will lead you through the door. But sometimes we can actually really discount or disqualify a message from the Lord because of things like, you know, here's another one. Well, I just don't like them. I don't like that person. I don't like what they say. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like their style. And we can actually write things off that the Lord is actually speaking just because we can't receive from the messenger. And we can allow things like that. You know, uh, here's another one. Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. It's easy for you to say. I mean, I've had the look, I've had these thoughts. So I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just in my own life. I've thought every one of these things. When I've been listening to somebody communicate the word of God. So if they hit a little close to home, I'm sorry, I've been there too. But I've had the thought, well, that's easy for you to say, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, again, you're looking to a person to give you what the Holy Spirit is intended to give you. And so anytime that we approach the word of God, let me give you, um, let me, let me, let me give you one more example of, of, of a thought that can come. Well, I've heard this before. I've heard somebody preach it that can preach it way better than you. I can get on Instagram and hear this message better. I can get on the internet and look. I have no problem with people getting on the internet and watching whatever. As long as it's biblically based. As long as you can back it with scripture. As long as it's not leading you down some crazy trail. Then that's. I encourage you. You ought to figure out what you believe and why. You ought to wrestle with it. And if you haven't wrestled with it. You might need to wrestle with it because it can't be shallow. It's got to be these, this deep conviction. And, and so, but it, it can happen. There's an example in the Old Testament of a, of a man named Balaam. Now, we don't know if he's a prophet, but he was called on by a king to put a curse upon Israel. And so Balaam apparently could hear from, from the Lord, from what we understand. And one day he's walking and, or I'm sorry, he was riding his donkey on the way to go curse the nation of Israel. Well, if you don't know, Israel is God's chosen people. That's not a fight that you want to pick because God don't lose. Balaam is on his way and the donkey stops right in the trail. He starts beating the donkey. The donkey takes a step and then backs up. He beats the donkey. He does it a couple times. And finally, the donkey turns around and looks at him and is like, why are you beating me? And Balaam got upset because he didn't like the messenger. You can interpret that any way you want. Give you a little room there. He didn't like the message until the donkey clued him in on something, which was, hey, Balaam, if I take another step or two forward, there's an angel right there that's about to kill you. And all of a sudden, that donkey became his best friend. He's like, man, you're a good donkey. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you that many times. Why didn't you say something sooner? We didn't have to go down that road. He didn't like the messenger until he knew. But that donkey saved Balaam's life. And sometimes God will use people in your life that you don't want to hear from. Who do you think you are? A lot of times that might be our spouse, by the way. It's amazing how much your spouse can sound like the Holy Spirit at times. 
But we can't tell the Holy Spirit to shut up because, you know, he might smite us or something. But we can tell our spouse, leave me alone, you know. Quit talking to me about that. But sometimes we just don't like the messenger. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's, maybe even it's just a, a random person. Like, who are you? Tell me that. But it hits a chord. It hits this thing on the inside of you, you know. Um, Jesus told the apostle Paul when he was still Saul, he said, Saul, it must be really hard to keep kicking against the pricks of your heart. He said, I'm trying to, to get you to realize that I, I'm speaking to you. He said, man, why don't you quit fighting? And so some of you actually need to quit fighting. Quit fighting the Lord. And it doesn't matter the messenger. And it doesn't matter who it comes through. It's what is God trying to do? Because anytime that God speaks, he's got a blessing in mind. Every time God corrects, he has a blessing in mind. He doesn't correct just to be mean, just because he wants to pick on you. God has something better in mind for you. There's a great little quote that I heard a number of years ago, and I've kind of leaned into it, is that God never says no. You're like, I don't know if I believe that. And there have been times the Lord's told me not to do certain things. But I, I like this phrase, is that God never says no. It's either yes, not now, or I have something better. And I have seen that play out in my life. Is that even when I thought God was saying no, what God was actually saying, but it just took some time to see it, was, hey, this isn't the best. I've got something better for you. So just don't commit to this right now. So God never says no. It's either yes, not now, or I got something better. And I've seen God do that over and over and over and over in my life where I'm like, God, thank you for saving me from my wisdom. I thought I had it all figured out and I was dead wrong. Thank you. Thank you for saving me from me. And God will do it over and over again. See, if we're going to experience a really, uh, a really a blessed life, it really comes down to the choices that we make. The daily, the all the time. Because really, life only has a few major decisions, but we make little decisions all the time. And those little decisions really determine our days. You know, I don't know what the percentage is. There's no way to know. But how much of our life is really made up of the decisions we make versus the decisions that others make? I would assume, and I'm going to just say that, I assume that the majority of my life is actually dictated by the decisions I make way more than the decisions that other people make. Because even when other people make decisions that I don't like, I still have a determination of how I'm going to respond and how I'm going to approach it and how I'm going to let what they said affect me. So even if somebody says something super offensive to me, do I choose to take offense to it? Do I, do I choose to take that on and say, well, they hurt me and I deserve to be mad at them. Okay, is it worth losing my peace over? I have a choice. So it's actually... Peace is a blessing. It's my choice to keep it. No one else can take it from me. Why? Because I've been given every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And nobody can take it from me, but I can choose to let it go. I can allow other decisions that I make to really override what God wants for me. And so in the book of Deuteronomy, if you have your Bibles, you can click, turn, however you get there. Tell Siri to turn there for you, whatever. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures here. 
I've mainly got two, two passages we're going to look at today. Deuteronomy 30 and James chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, you can stick your finger in James chapter 1. We'll get there in a few minutes. But in Deuteronomy 30, in, in verse 28, it actually, let me just kind of back up a little bit, give you some context. In verse, or chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, chapter 29, chapter 30, God is speaking to the nation of Israel. And in, verse, or in chapter 28, he says, all these blessings will come upon you if you obey me. As a matter of fact, it says all these blessings will come up, come upon you and will overtake you. I would say that is my blessing is going to come run you down. You can't outrun my blessing. That sounds really good. God, I want your blessings to track me down like a like some kind of scud missile or something. Just lock in and come find me. You can't outrun it. It's coming for you. Well, that sounds great. And it says, these blessings will what? Come upon you and they will overtake you. And he says, oh, you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. Blessed, blessed. I mean, God says, I will bless you. He goes, all these things. And then he goes on. He says, but you can be cursed. And he says, if you do this, you'll be cursed. If you do this, you'll be cursed. And so in verse 30, so chapter 28 predominantly, and even into chapter 29 as well. But in verse 30, the Lord really boils it down for the children of Israel. And this is just as applicable to us right now as it was when the Lord spoke this. But he says, I command, or this command I'm giving you. And I'm about to tell you what the command is because God's going to repeat it. And God always repeats what's important to him, by the way, in Scripture. So if it's in there more than once, you might really want to kind of heighten your attention. But I want you to see something. He says, the, the command that I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you. Everybody hear that? The command that God is giving is not too difficult for you. He's not talking to the children of Israel. He's talking to you right now. The command that we're about to read is not too difficult for you. And it is not beyond your reach. It's not available to somebody else and not to you. God doesn't pick and choose favorites. He loves us all. All of his blessings are available to everyone. So it's not too difficult. It's not out of reach. It's not kept up in heaven. So distant that you must ask who will go to heaven and bring it down so that we can hear it and obey. It's not kept beyond the sea so far that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey. He says, no, the message, other translations say it this way. The word is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart so that you can obey it. Ecclesiastes tells us that eternity is actually hidden in the human heart. You may not know the Bible, but you actually are hardwired to know that God is real. Now, you can work really hard to convince yourself that he's not. But when all the chips come to the very end, the Bible tells us that we are hardwired with the knowledge of God and that there is an eternity, that when I die, there is something else. God has put it on the inside. Like there has to be more than just this existence. God put it in in you the moment you were conceived. And that seed is still on the inside of every single one of us. And that's why it says here is that, hey, the message is not far off. No, it's right at hand. It's on your lips. It's in your heart. Why? So that you can obey it. It goes on here and it says, so now, everybody say now. It says, now listen today. Today, do I need to define today? Today, right now, in this moment, today, 
I am giving you a choice. Every day is made up of choices. Hundreds, if not thousands of decisions every day that we make. Today, I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. So remember, the command that I'm about to give you is not too difficult and it's not out of reach for you. What's the commandment? He says, for I command you to love the Lord your God and to keep his commandments, to keep his instructions. God says, if you do this, that's a big if. If you do this, if what? If you walk in my ways, if you walk in my understanding, if you walk in the wisdom and the light of the scriptures that I've given you, you will live and will multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land that you are about to enter and to occupy. See, today we hear much about, well, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Okay, and I talked about this in week one. You can go back and listen to it online. We have several messages already up from this series. Who is responsible for the blessing in your life? Because I think we ought to change our verbiage a little bit. Instead of just saying when someone asks you how you're doing, some people would say this like, oh, well, I'm blessed. Okay, why don't we qualify who's blessing us? Because as children of God, we need to give honor to the Lord and say, well, I'm blessed by the Lord. I'm highly favored. And you're like, yeah, but that sounds like spiritual talk. I'm a spiritual person. And I'm not ashamed of what God has done in my life because he alone has saved me and he alone has paid for my sin and he alone has secured heaven for my eternity. And the Bible's pretty clear. If I pull away and shy away from from really standing up for who I believe in, why would Jesus stand up for me in front of the Father? And I to, when people ask me, when people ask you, Why are you so blessed? You ought to say, because of the Lord. Well, I don't know anything about the Lord. You can. You want to know the Lord? Let me talk to you. Let me tell you my story. And many times people want the blessings of God. They just want to do what they want to do all the time. And they don't want to really heed the voice of the Lord. Although he's a good father and has nothing but good things for us. He's not a tyrant. You're like, yeah, but in the Old Testament, he sure seems heavy handed. Go read Jesus. He says, I will reveal to you the father. If you want to know what the father God is like, the father heart of God, and I'm about to show it to you in scripture. It's Jesus. The only people that Jesus got ticked off at were the self-righteous people. Those who thought, I got it. I'm good. Those are the only people we ever see Jesus getting upset with. And the enemy would love to keep us in that place. So we drop down to uh, verse 19 of Deuteronomy 30. And again, the Lord declares to the nation of Israel, which he also says to us today, today I have given you the choice of life and death between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. If you've ever had to sign a legal document, you have to get witnesses, right? Like when you get married, they're going to ask you for two witnesses minimal, maybe three. And what is that? It's people saying, I was there when these people committed themselves to one another. If you buy something, if you, you, you buy a car or a house, there has to be witnesses that attest that, hey, I saw that this person came and that they signed this and not somebody else. 
And the only way you can do that is with the power of attorney for somebody else to sign for you legally. It's kind of the same idea here. God is saying, hey, you make the choice and I'm going to call heaven and earth to come witness your decision. Like, oh, but this decision don't matter. Heaven and earth are watching. Now, here's the here's the father heart of God. And and I love this. Because even in all that he said, I mean, he's just spent a bunch of time talking about blessings and cursings and all these things. And here in verse 20, he says, oh, that I would that you would choose life. Let me put it another way. God is saying, please, please choose life. Choose my blessing. Choose not to trust yourself. Choose to actually trust me. He says, so that you and your descendants might live. And that's more than breathing. He means like live in the truest, most exuberant way. Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10. I have come that you would have life and have it to its fullest potential, to its fullest, to its maximum. That life is not drudgery, but life is actually real enjoyment. That I look to tomorrow, not with dread, but I look to it with excitement. You're like, yeah, but tomorrow looks dark. Yeah, but there's some God opportunities. And I'm going to bring the light of God into a dark office, a dark world, a dark environment, a dark moment. And I'm going to bring the presence of God into that moment. And I'm going to bring blessing into what the Lord, or what the enemy had intended to be negative and to be a curse. I'm going to bring God's presence. Why? Because God's presence always overwhelms the darkness. Always. And that's how we can approach life. But yet here it says that we've got a decision to make. We've got to choose. We have witnesses. They're they're watching. Psalms 103 tells us that angels are actually waiting for us to begin to what? To declare the word of God so they can bring us answers. Hebrews tells us that you're like, why are there angels? To minister to us, the heirs of salvation, Hebrews says. Did you know that you have angels that are assigned to you? to bring about what God wants in your life. And when you pray according to the word of God, their ears perk up. And the picture of the Hebrew language is as a sprinter in the starting blocks for a sprint, not a marathon, a sprint. Think about hundred meter dash. They don't start out like this. It's milliseconds and they're gone. If a human being can move in milliseconds, how fast can an angel move? If a human can cover 100 meters in nine seconds, why can't an angel cover thousands and hundreds of thousands and even millions of miles if necessary to get me the answer from God that I need? Like, oh, the devil's so strong. Go read in the book of Daniel about that 21 days that Daniel waited. And the angel told Daniel, from the day you prayed, from the moment you prayed, Daniel, I've been on my way. Now, there was some resistance from an angel, but he wasn't nothing. I hand him off to my boy, Michael. He took care of it, and I just came on my way. And here's the answer that you prayed about 21 days. God was not slow in responding. We just had some traffic along the way. But don't worry, the traffic couldn't hold up the answer. And sometimes we get so frustrated in the wait, not realizing that if we'll just keep praying, we just keep praying, we just thank God. God, I thank you. Ten days ago, I prayed for this answer. I thank you that it's coming. I'm not even worried about it. But when I need it, the answer is going to come. When the wisdom that I need, when I need it, it's going to be here. And I may not have it till the moment I need it, but the moment I need it, it's going to be there. That's making a decision. I'm not going to worry. Well, God didn't give me an answer. I guess he's not going to respond. Maybe you just weren't patient. 
And look, I'm a very impatient person. I hate red lights. I hate traffic. Like, you know that idiot going down the highway that's doing this number? That's me, okay? Like, I'm like, man, should I put a church sticker on my truck or not? Because I am impatient. My daughter's like, dad, that light was red. Not before I got all the way through it, baby. It was yellow. She's further back in the vehicle than I am. Three-year-old little backseat driver. Don't know nothing. Keep your mouth shut. Play your video game. Do whatever you're doing. Leave me alone. I got one in the front seat. I don't need one in the back seat. I love my wife and glad she loves me. Praise the Lord. No, in James chapter one. So now keep in mind, we've got to make some decisions. We've got choices to make. If I'm going to live blessed, I've got to make some decisions. In James one, we're going to read a, a few verses here. He says, understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen. That's a challenge for me. Slow to speak, strike two. I'm slow to get angry. I'm passionate. You know. But is my life my own? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I have learned a lot about my frustrations and my passion. Some people would call it anger. The Lord has helped me mellow out a lot. A tremendous amount, actually. Because I used to fly off the handle. All kinds of stuff. Listen to the wisdom of Scripture, though. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So when I'm just in my feelings and frustrated and I'm responding that way, guess what it's not producing in me? What God wants. Because I'm just in my feelings. See, my feelings are a choice. I'm not denying that your feelings are real, but we get to choose how much authority we give our feelings. But just know, many times when we give into our feelings, it's not going to produce what God wants. Because I can get angry, but I'm going to forfeit my peace to get angry. And it may take me a little bit of work to calm down and get back to some peace. But I, but I made a decision. Oh, but they did, but they said, no, I made a decision. I mean, one of the hardest things for me was when I got frustrated was to keep my mouth shut. Why? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I have to realize every word I say, I'm wielding a sword. And it can either either heal or it can hurt. And I have to be aware of that. I mean, yes, I have a gift of speaking. It's a two-edged sword. It can hurt too. Why? Because I'm quick. Somebody asked me a question. I can give you an answer pretty quick. If not real quick, like right then. It may not be the best answer. I don't get surprised by a whole lot. My wife is a processor. I need to give her some time. Like, hey, let me ask you a question. Can we talk about this tomorrow? She says, I lawyer up. I tell her I'm a gift. She doesn't seem to understand yet, but. No, but everybody's different, but I have to understand that. Is that I have to be what? Slow to speak, quick to listen. 
Why? Because I want it to, I want it, I really want the Lord to have his way in my life. And he goes on and he says, so get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and it humbly accept the word of God. It means you have to recognize I need the word of God. Like it's not just words. I actually need to admit I need this correction. I need this understanding. Like I, I need God's help. And part of the way he helps us is through his word. So it tells us, get rid of the filth in your life. Those areas that the Holy Spirit will highlight and maybe even kind of point out during 21 days. I said this, I don't know if it's last week, week before. There may be some things that you lay aside and the Lord, I mean, I'll just tell you. Day 22, I will be, hello, old friend. I love you. I miss you. But what if the Lord told me not to? Then I would have a decision to make, wouldn't I? See, I would have my plan. I'm using this as a very loose example, very minimal. But what if the Lord was to challenge you and say, hey, why don't you lay that down for the rest of the year? My prayer is the Lord never tells me that about certain things. But I would have a decision to make, wouldn't I? You would have a decision to make if that was the wisdom of God. And here's the thing. God only has something better in mind if he's asking you to lay something down. And if I want to walk in the blessing, I have to walk in the wisdom of God. I have to. So it goes on, it says, get rid of the filth, the evil, the things in your life, the things that God would highlight. And God is a gentleman. He's not ugly to us. The way I would say is, just clean up what God tells you to. Don't worry about everything else. Don't keep your own scorecard. Do what God's telling you to do. It says, humbly accept the word of God, or accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. The word of God has the power to save your soul. Your soul is your intellect. It's your emotions. It's your reasonings. It's the seat of argument in your life. Spiritually, you are as saved today. If you've accepted Jesus, you're as saved as you're ever going to get. But you got a choice in your soul. How much salvation do you want to experience? You got to make a decision. Why? Because the word of God has the power to save your souls. It goes on here and says, don't just listen to God's word. He says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. It says you see yourself walk away and you forget what you look like. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word and then you go out and forget your divine origin. I almost brought a mirror with me today and wrote some words on it. I didn't do it, but I should have. But this is what this would look like. When the enemy tries to come in and accuse you, I could have wrote the word justified on the mirror. When I go to scripture, the Bible says all of my sins have been paid by Jesus. And when the enemy wants to try to bring up my past and bring up my failings and bring up my faults and bring up all the stuff to make me feel bad, to make me be insecure about who I am in Christ. I can say, well, let me remind you, the Bible says that I have been justified. We don't use that word much. The word justified doesn't mean just that my sins are covered. It actually means that they've been washed away. The, the biblical language be like, is that you've been washed white as snow. That when God looks at me, when I've received forgiveness, it's as if I have never sinned. So when the enemy comes and wants to bring up my past, I have to say, what past? 
you got the wrong address because I don't live there anymore. I have a new address that's in the family of God that I am fully accepted. Every spiritual blessing has been given unto me. Shame. You could write on that mirror. No more. I don't live there anymore. Don't forward the mail. I mean, I could go on and on and on with things that could be written on that mirror. That the Bible, the word of God, the inspired word of God that is intended to what? To give us correction, to give us instruction, that it tells us differently. But I have to choose. Do I believe the mirror of God's word, the message that it's giving me or not? I have to choose. Do I believe the Bible? Like, do I really believe the Bible? And to believe it means you're actually going to have to read it, by the way. You, you, you kind of need to know what's in it. And it's important. Verse 25 of, of James chapter 1 says, If you look carefully into the perfect law, the word of God, that sets you free. Like, why do I need to be in the Bible? Because it will produce freedom in your life. The word of God is powerful. Hebrews 4.12, it's quick, it's powerful. It, it, it has the divine power of God within itself. Now you can go read that verse, but I, I say it this way, is that the word of God can tell you why you do what you do. It can tell you the motives of your heart. It can tell you why you're short. It can tell you why you get angry when somebody says this. It can tell you, I mean, it can tell you all kinds of things. And here's the reason that it tells you, because it wants to heal it. That's the reason. God wants to bring healing into your life. So if you look carefully into the, the word of God, it will set you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The word here where it says carefully, other versions would say, use the word intently. It means to give effort to, attention to, or concentration on it. When you focus on it. When you give the word of God proper place in your life, it will produce the blessings of God in your life. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It will give the blessings of God in your life. See, God's blessings don't follow the mere hearing or just coming to church. Just because you came to church today doesn't mean that you're actually going to do anything with what I've just spent the last 35, 40 minutes sharing with you. But if you take what I've just communicated to you and you walk out those doors, you apply it to your life, it will actually produce life change in you. And I don't say that because of the words that I've said. I say that because it's the inspired word of God breathed by the Holy Spirit, that it has the power to transform your life when you apply it. Think of it this way. How good is paint in the bucket? Man, I hate my wall color. I bought some paint. Maybe if I just pray a little more, I'll wake up in the morning and angels will come and paint the wall for me. Probably not, right? I mean, you can, hey, if you figure out what that prayer is, please call me. Like, I will gladly use that prayer. Paint B. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, there's a little app where you can take a picture and you like test the colors. Wouldn't it just be cool if you clicked it and it just, poof, there it is. No, I don't like that one. Let's try that one. No, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that one. No, I have to what? Apply the paint. 
to change the room. I have to apply the word of God to change me. You have to apply the word of God for you. God said, I have set before you today life, death, blessing, cursing. My, 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 my plea, the heart of God, the father heart of God says, I'm begging you, choose life. My word is life. My word is truth. When I walk in truth, man, it can transform me. As I'm wrapping up this morning, see, I believe that if, if we'll live this way, if we'll really live this way, and we actually begin to grow in our understanding of Scripture and the promises of God, and, and we were just singing worship songs earlier that actually lined up a lot with my message today, although I had no idea what the songs were and they didn't know what I was preaching today. It's amazing how that works. See, the enemy's worst day is when you figure out who Jesus died for you to be. That's the enemy's worst day. Why? Because it's game over for him. Doesn't mean that he can't influence or try to affect us. But the moment that I figure out I'm no longer who I think I am, I am, I am who Jesus says I am. I might remember my past and I may remember my mistakes, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't, and he's the one who paid the price for my sins. And the enemy, the Bible says that he's the accuser, that he comes and he makes accusations. And, and if he can't get you to, if he can't convince you that you're bad, he's going to convince, he's going to try to convince you that God's bad. And if he can get you convinced of either one of those, he's got the upper hand. But if he can't convince you that that God's bad and he can't convince you that you're bad because of Jesus. It's not because of your own effort. You're saved by grace, not by works. But no, God's good and he made me good. It's an identity thing. And if I can really get into scripture and it, where it says that God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing, you lack nothing. Nothing. Not one thing to do and to be everything that Jesus died for you to be. Not one thing. You have access to everything, but you've got to apply it. Just like the paint, you've got to put it on the wall. You've got to apply the word of God to your life. You know, we were singing this song. I don't remember how the lyric went, but I actually have this in my notes and they were singing it earlier. And I thought, man, that, it's right there in my notes. Is that it would do us well and this is an old phrase. I don't know. I've heard it a number of times. But if God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. If God says it, if, if I can find it in his word, God wants me to be blessed. He wants me to be the head and not the tail. He wants me to be above and not beneath. That's all in Deuteronomy 28. No, God wants me to prosper. God wants me to be in health. God wants my soul to prosper. That's why I need the word of God. And if God said it, if God said that, I, that I'm forgiven, that settles it. I don't need to convince myself that I'm not. I'm forgiven. Why? Because God said it. He's the judge, not me. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to go before God? I mean, this kind of rattles my brain a little bit. But if I went to the Lord with like a, a Santa list, like naughty and nice, like, here's my life. And I'm like, Lord, here I am. And he's like, who's that? 
I'm like, well, this is every screw up I've ever done. This is every stupid thing I've ever said. This is every person I've ever hurt. Lord, this is my life. And he says, no, it's not. You were bought with the blood of Christ. And it washed you clean. And and I can't figure that out in my brain. But yet, I put my faith in Christ that it is true. And not only that, the Holy Spirit, the Bible actually says, confirms that in my life. I don't have to know it here. I can know it here. Is that my past is washed. That I've been remade new in Christ. And that I choose to identify by that person. That's why the Bible says, is that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. It's a fresh start. So you may be here today and you've followed the Lord, walked away and find yourself in church today. And you're like, man, I need a fresh start. You may be here today and say, look, I ain't fresh start. I ain't never started. Great. You're in a good place. That your relationship with God starts just like what it talked about there. It says that we have to humbly accept the word of God. Well, you have to humble yourself. The Bible says under the mighty hand of God. And that starts by surrendering your heart, your, your life, your ways, your choices to the Lord. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. We'll never be perfect. That's why we need a savior. And I didn't just need a savior 20 something years ago. I need a savior today. And you may be here and you're like, man, hey, I want to start my journey with the Lord. I really want to come in relationship with God. Again, it's not complicated. We make it complicated. You'll never find in scripture where the Lord says, go clean up and then come to me. He actually just says, come to me. If you're tired, you're worn out, you feel filthy, got all these things going on, nobody knows about you got this secret life. You got all these things happening. Nobody knows about how you got, if people only, I mean, you even have the thought and the devil will say this to you. If people only knew the real you, God knows the real you and he still loves you. He'd still go hang on the cross today for you. Why? Because he's that in love with you. Because he wants something better. And where the enemy wants to drag you down, the Lord wants to lift you up. That's blessing. That's real blessing. And it starts in relationships. Say, well, how do I get in relationship with Jesus? That sounds awesome. Sounds good. I don't like my past. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm ready to move on. The Bible says you have to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is a, one who came sent by God, who was God in the flesh and yet man. Now, how can you be 100% God and 100% man? I'll let somebody smarter than me decide that. But I just choose to say that's what the Bible says, so I believe that. He was God and yet man, he was perfect and yet he paid the price for me. Jesus didn't hang on the cross for himself. He hung on the cross for me. He hung on the cross for you. The Bible says that he went into the grave. That he actually experienced hell so that I wouldn't have to. Jesus willingly did this. The Bible says, and he even said it, nobody takes my life. He made a choice. It's like we had a choice. Jesus had a choice. Sometimes we don't think about that. Hanging on the cross, there were people who were insulting him and said, hey, why don't you call 10,000 angels? It wouldn't have been a temptation if it wasn't true. 
And yet he had the decision. He could have called any number of angels to come and get him off the cross at any moment and say, you know what? I'm tapping out. But he says, nope, I'm not done yet. The job isn't finished yet. And I know what God sent me here to do. And so we have to believe what the Bible says about Jesus. The Bible says if we believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth. So why do I have to say it out loud? Because there's a connection. But here's the, the best news, the most blessed news of all. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Not might, not if you play your cards right, not if you're good from now on. No, he says if you believe in your heart, confess with your heart, you will be saved. And so I want to lead us all in a prayer of salvation.